Who wins on UFC Fight Night 135? Hey guys, Fight Junkie here. Of course, I always start off by thanking everybody for their support. This one is no different. I appreciate it. I really do. Following us on social media, of course, listening to the podcast and checking out our YouTube channel. If you want to know all the social media platforms we're on and all the places you can get the podcast, the easiest place is just go to uh, our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash fightjunkie2006. And if you play any of our podcast videos on there, we have all our social media sites linked there. You can see them, our handles, all the podcasts are linked. So that's usually the easiest place to go. And then you can just choose whatever platform you like best to communicate with us. And we always try to get back to you. Obviously, this is new. So our YouTube channel doesn't have many subscribers. So if you could go out and subscribe, we appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll be doing more stuff down the line. But like I said, I just got the mic situation straightened out, which if you can comment and let me know if you guys can hear me well and it's not so low. Previous to this, the volume was really low. And even though you could hear me, you had to turn your phones up really loud, your headsets really loud. That's not the case anymore, I think. The feedback I got from the few people that told me is that it's working well and it's like twice as loud. So hopefully that works and I'll use this setup going forward. So if you want to comment about that or anything else, just hit me up and we'll go from there. But I wanted to talk about this uh, UFC card. I apologize that I'm doing it the day before the fight. That shouldn't be the norm. Like I said, it was mic issues going forward. But uh, I would like to do them probably around like Wednesday because generally speaking with the, with the odds and with the way the lines come out, you want to be able to cap and put your bets in earlier. Now, there are some things with weight you know, weight issues and prop bets and how the lines come out and stuff like that. But I think that's separate for another episode because I can get more in depth with betting philosophy and how these lines work. And generally speaking, using these strategies to give you the best odds. But I think that would take up too much time with this and mixed in with actual fight picks probably isn't the best way to do it. So I think we'll just go ahead and do the the capping of the fight card today. And then over the next week or so, I'll put out my betting philosophy and then we'll go a little more in depth than that. That way, if you guys have questions or just, you know, hey, how why do you do it this way or why, you know, anything if I didn't answer it correctly or at all or whatever, you can hit me up and then I'll know exactly what you're talking about because it's specific to betting and the strategies and the philosophies used. And like I said, this is raw and uncut, baby. I bring it to you unedited. This podcast is a reason I do it that way. Because I'm real. I'm just like you. Like I said, I do this for a living, but I'm just like you. So I want you guys to, to experience the ride with me just as if I was sitting in the room talking to you. That's how I talk to you guys. I'm very straight up. I'm, I'm very forward. And I make mistakes all the time bumbling and mumbling or whatever. But if we were in a room and you were asking me advice, I'd be talking to you the exact same way. So I want to keep it real. I want to keep it honest with you guys. And I do appreciate you guys following me and going on this journey with us. Okay, so let's check it out. The first fight I saw that I thought was probably a good betting opportunity was the Mickey Gall fight. Mickey Gall, you guys probably know, he's the CM Punk uh, beater. He also beat uh, Sage Northcutt. Um, the CM Punk fight was obviously just nothing. I mean, that did nothing for like uh, capping, you know, like how good is Mickey and that type of thing. The Northcutt fight, yeah, that was better because Northcutt is a striker and Mickey isn't. And he was able to stand with uh, Sage long enough to get him down and then submit him. All of his wins are by submission. He's 4-1. and one. His last loss is his first loss. And basically, he was just wrestled. So that was a unique perspective to gain about Mickey because generally going into that fight, I thought Mickey had great jiu-jitsu. And he does, but from the top position. So we didn't realize that Mickey didn't have a bottom game until he was wrestled all fight long and lost. So that's something he has to work on. So if you look at his fight with Sage and his last fight that he lost, you see two, two problems striking 
and jujitsu off of his back. So that means Mickey basically is a wrestler that needs top position, and then he uses jujitsu to finish the fight. Well, what's he facing in George? Well, George is an old cat in the game. He's 37. He's no spring chicken. He's 17 and 6. The record's not impressive. But he's got 11 KOs slash TKOs in those 17 wins. Obviously, he's a striker. Also, of those six losses, four were by submission. So immediately, you look at the matchup and you go, oh, maybe I see something. Now, this is a caveat. Remember, you cannot cap MMA by records. You cannot cap boxing by records. You have to follow the sport and have some knowledge of the fighter's strengths and weaknesses in the matchup. Styles make fights. This is one of the reasons that people suck at betting combat sports because they come from they come from NFL, they come from NBA, and they come from Major League Baseball. And those are stat-based games. I bet those sports sporadically. They are far easier to bet without putting in the time and effort that you have to in combat sports. The problem is I think it's boring. Like, I love winning money, but Jesus, it's boring just running stats, basically, looking at this pitcher pitched this long, and they scored this much at home, and they scored this. It's ridiculous. Try that with MMA and boxing, just betting records, and you will lose your ass. So let me say that again. Do not ever bet boxing or MMA just based off records. Okay? Don't do that. Don't do that. Please do not do that. So Sullivan's records is shitty, but he's a puncher. So basically looking at this fight, you can pretty much tell he's going to try to keep Gall on the outside, punch him in the face, and knock him out. Generally going into this fight, I would have said, well, Gall's just going to shoot a double leg, take him down, and submit him. The problem is Mickey realized he has weaknesses. He had weaknesses in his striking and he weaknesses off his back. So he's bounced around from camp to camp. And he's worked with Joe Schilling, famous kickboxer. Yves Edwards, another great striker. And so he's trying to improve his striking. Now that's great. But that's a problem if I'm betting on you and you decide to strike. So there's a fine line there of... How much striking do you think Mickey is going to do? Is he going to go in there and try to prove a point that he can win a kickboxing match? Jesus, if he does that, all bets are out the window. Because who knows what's going to happen. Or is he going to use enough striking just to get him in position, to get a takedown, and then finish the fight on the ground? That's all right. I'm okay with that. Listen, the kid's 4-1. and He's like 26-year-old. He's improving in front of our eyes, right? He's progressing and we're seeing all of his flaws and all of his good feet. We're seeing it. We're going along with the journey with him right in front of our eyes. As he learns, we're getting to know more about him. But when you're betting, you just want the guy to win. So I think I can go out on limb and say, go will at some point take him down and submit him. That's my instinct of watching Mickey, watching George. Knowing how Mickey fights, I think we may see a little more striking from Mickey, but I'm hanging my hat on the fact that should he get in trouble, I think instinctively he is going to shoot and immediately take him down. So hopefully, unless he gets blasted out with one shot, if there was any type of adversity, he'd go, whoa, right? Like, I need to get this to the ground. So if our guy is Mickey, you now need to look at the odds. Well, hopefully you bet him before. When the line just opened, minus 245. Currently, minus 320. Now that's a straight bet, meaning all he has to do is win. And like I said, we'll get into all these terms and stuff on a later episode where we can just talk about this stuff. But as far as for the fight goes, I have to explain some of the odds, but I'm not going to go crazy in depth. So... If you originally bet Mickey when he opened, you would lay minus 245, meaning you would bet $245 to win 100. Currently, if you bet him, you'd be laying 320 to win 100. So you can see how that line differs. People came out, started betting Mickey after the line opened. The line went higher, meaning you have to bet more money to win the exact same amount. George is coming back at 290, so plus 290. 
meaning he's the underdog. If you bet 100 on George, you would get $290 back if he won. As far as totals go, for simplicity's sake, we're going to say totals are just goes to a decision or doesn't go to a decision. Again, there's more to it than that because there's other props that come out for totals, but we'll save that for another video. Podcast, sorry, I always say video. So goes to a decision is plus 205 and doesn't go to a decision is minus 265. So obviously the books think, hey, this one's going under. But what did the books open that line at? They only opened it at minus 185. So it was the public that moved the line. The books said, yeah, we think it's going to go under. And they set the line at 185. Then the public came in and said, we like that line. So we bet it. And obviously it goes higher and higher. And now if you want to bet it, you have to lay 265. So in this fight, looking at over under for, for the three round fight, you would say, does George have a chance of knocking Mickey out? And does Mickey have a chance of submitting him? I would say both both is yes, but I think Mickey's chances of submitting him are better than George's chances of knocking him out. That's not to say that George can't. Obviously, he has enough power to knock Mickey out and if Mickey decides to just stand and trade the whole fight. So if you really believe, like, wait a minute, Mickey might reverse the script here. He might go out there and kickbox, get caught and knocked out. If you think that's a real possibility, but you also thought that Mickey could take him down and sub him, then you could just bet the won't go, and you wouldn't care who won. Should George hit him with a haymaker and knock him out, you would still win. If that didn't happen and Mickey double-legged him, took him down, and submitted him, you would still win. So there's also the draw. That's 8,500. We already know what a draw is. And then you have each guy basically to win by TKO, KO, or submission. There is an inside the distance uh, bet that one of the books uses. I'm not going to get into all that right now, but uh, we'll talk about that later. So if you like Mickey inside or TKO, KO, that's uh, 501. So if you think Gall could knock him out, that's plus 501. Now, MMA is a bit different with boxing because they have submissions. So in MMA, they have TKO KO, which is punches, obviously, kicks, this type of thing. It's got to be deemed a knockout or a TKO for you to win that prop. They also have submission, obviously. You have to submit somebody. It's got to be called a submission at the end of the fight as the way to win. That inside distance bet I was talking to you about covers everything, basically. So if you thought Mickey could knock him out standing, and you also thought he could submit him, and you thought that's the way he's going to win, you would bet him, quote-unquote, inside. That way, it wouldn't matter if he submitted him. It wouldn't matter if he knocked him out. You would still win. And the same thing goes for George, and they have the same exact props, KO, submission, inside. So looking at this fight, I'll give you a rundown really quick of what they are. Uh, Gall wins by TKO KOs plus 501. Sullivan wins by submission is plus 1235. Gall wins by submission is plus 110. Sullivan wins inside the distance. Remember, as, as long as he wins inside, stops him any which way that cashes, is 475. And Gall wins inside the distance is minus 142. Sullivan wins by decision is 640. And Gall wins by decision as plus 354. And then they also have round props. Like I said, I'm not going to go into all that, but basically a round prop is the fighter has to win in that round. So if you pick Gall wins in round one, he would have to win in round one. Anything else would not be a winner. So looking at this fight, what do I like? Well, you're looking at two things here. If you're saying Mickey's four and one, all four wins by sub, and we've got Sullivan who loses by sub, me maybe go by sub, right? Well, here's the thing. If you like that, you've narrowed it down to, I like Mickey go by submission. You have two things to look at. You can look at go by submission, just that prop alone, which opened at plus 115 and currently sits at plus 110. Then you can look at goal wins inside the distance. Going inside the distance is minus 131 and it's currently minus 142. So what's the difference? Well, again, inside the distance is just that. As long as Mickey Gall stops Sullivan 
in some way, shape, or form, it doesn't go to a decision, Gaul wins inside the distance, will hit. Again, not every book uses this. That's why I don't want to put too much emphasis on it, because if you don't use specific books that use this, it's not even an option to you. So if that's the case, obviously ignore what I'm saying, because you don't have that option. If you think he wins by submission, you have to take Gaul wins by submission. If you do use a book that has this wins inside the distance option, you have a choice to make. Do you want to lay the minus 142 that he wins inside any which way, shape, or form? Or do you want to take the better odds and take Gaul wins by submission at plus money? Well, that's up to you. You've got to decide if you think Gaul could possibly strike him enough to stop him. Do you think he could head kick him? Do you think he could accumulation of ground and pound, punching him out? Do you think he could dirty box him and knock him out with an elbow? These are things that you must know if you're going to lay the quote unquote worst line. So how do you know those things? Well, you got to watch the sport. Personally speaking, what Gall has done in the past would not suggest an inside the distance for uh, winning by TKO or KO, head kick, this type of thing. But like I said, fighters are always improving and working on things. And Gall himself has said, hey, I jumped around. I want to get better. I want to show you guys stuff. Like I said, that can be scary to a better. Hey, wait a minute. I'm capping you off your style, your proven style. You come out there trying to box like Floyd Mayweather, and then everything goes out the window. But that's the game we play. Nothing is for sure in this sport. That's why they, they play the game. On paper, you can cap it like, oh, this is 100%. Like, oh, I got this. And then the fight just plays out totally opposite. So when I look at this fight, I'm going to go off what I know about Mickey, and I'm going to tell you that Mickey Gall is going to submit George Sullivan. I think if you're playing him, I wouldn't bother with the straight bat because I don't believe it's going to go to a decision. So I don't need him to win any which way, including a decision, because I believe he's going to stop him. And not only that, but you're going to get that plus money on the submission instead of laying like minus 320 on Mickey Gall straight. That's one thing. Like If you can really pinpoint how you believe a guy is going to win, you can get favorites at astronomical numbers, beautiful numbers that you could never get in a million years on other sports. Simply because you're saying, I know the way this guy is going to win. Now that takes confidence, it takes skill, it takes experience. But once you get there, man, you can make an absolute killing betting favorites, but choosing a prop bet that sometimes gives you lines like they're underdog. A perfect example is what we're talking about. Mickey Gall is minus 320 straight. You have to bet $320 to win $100. But if you take Mickey Gall by submission and he wins, that line is currently plus 110, meaning you bet $100 and you get back $110. What more could you ask for? I mean, that's a perfect example of when you put in the time, you put in the energy, you follow the sport, how it can pay off for you. When you're taking favorites, a lot of people miss that point because props, oh, you know, props, he can only win this way. You can't always do it. There are many times where I'm like, oh, I got to take this guy straight or even I got to play a total and over under the decision goes, the decision doesn't go simply because there are variables depending on the matchup. But sometimes you get those nice little gems where you go, this guy can only win this way, or it's more likely this guy is going to win this way. And his opponent can only win this way or more likely to win this way. And you're able to narrow it down to something ridiculous where a minus 320 favorite suddenly becomes a plus 110 underdog if it's able to hit. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that for that fight. The next one I looked at and I thought was Angela Hill. Angela Hill is facing Courtney Casey Sanchez. Now, this is a woman's fight, and it's at uh, 115 pounds, I believe. And Angela comes into the fight at 8-4, and four, while Courtney's a whopping 7-6. and six. Again, 
You got to throw out the records. I know it's tough. When I first started betting MMA, I was like, what? Because I came from boxing, right? What are, what are these records, man? You got quote unquote legends that are 15 and six. You got guys considered beasts that don't have a 50% uh, win ratio. It still blows my mind. But the setup is different than boxing. So they don't get these, you know, 20 and 0 runs and they don't have so it's a bit different it takes a little bit of getting used to and even still now i'm like jesus seven and six and the you know you go seven and six what's the line what minus 125 plus 115 what's going on you would automatically be like how is a seven and six fighter only plus 115 uh somebody made a mistake that's what i'm saying you can't do that with MMA records because it will screw you up long term. So anyway, Angela is eight and four. Like I said, she's only got three KOs and she's got five decisions. Of her four losses, three are by decision and one is by submission. On the flip side, Courtney is seven and six. Like I mentioned, she's a little more rounded, uh, well-rounded in the wins. She's got three KOs and three subs with one decision, and she basically always loses by decision. Uh, five out of her six losses are decision. One was a submission. So what are we looking at here? Well, you got to look at their last few fights too. Angela's been pretty inconsistent. She's two and two in her last four. So that doesn't scream like consistency, right? Well, Courtney's even worse. She's lost three out of her last four fights and her only win was a decision. Now, granted, Two of those losses were split decisions. And in the MMA, that judging's getting really crazy like boxing. So unless you watch the fights and you can definitely say, did she really lose? Was it supposed to be a UD? Did she win? Whatever your opinion is, then you have to factor that into your capping. Because just reading it can be totally off. Because we're getting terrible decisions and MMA because they're using boxing judges. So that's another rant I go on. You can't use corrupt, inept boxing judges who screw up boxing on a weekly basis, put in them, put them in MMA and not expect to get the exact same result. And I've been warning MMA fans for that for a long time because there's always this MMA versus boxing and who's better. And all. I try to bring everybody together. I like both sports. I want both sports to survive. I want Bellator, Bellator to survive and thrive and uh, UFC and Cage war. I want them all because competition is best for the fighters. It's good for the fans that are watching it. But I warned people, hey, you're joking and cracking on boxing and you know how it's a joke of a sport and everybody knows A side and B side and who's going to win before the fight is over. It's coming to MMA. And now MMA fans are starting to realize it. And of course, what do they do? Bitch and moan, whine and cry, just like us boxing fans do. The exact same thing. Like, if you go up to my YouTube channel, again, youtube.com slash fightjunkie2006, you'll see a rant video up there, one of the four or five I have currently, about Alan Huggins, a referee in boxing who made a huge mistake. So I've been on this, and I don't like to see it in any sport. But when you're capping and betting, you have to take that into consideration. Are these split decisions really losses? Could she have two more wins on her record and two less losses? So that's something to look at. But in this fight, I think the more important thing to look at is styles. In this fight, you're going to have the the fleet-footed Angela Hill going up against the rough-and-tough grinder and Courtney. So I think that's what you need to look at when you're looking at this fight. And I think the style determines who you like. If you believe Angela can box and move for three rounds and win on the cards, then you would obviously take her. And the reason I say box and move and win on the cards is she only has three KOs. And Courtney's only been stopped once. Courtney's tough. She's big too. She's 5'6". Angela's 5'3". Now on the flip side, if you think Courtney's going to be able to close the distance and get a hold of Angela and like, you know, ground and power, throw her down, use a physical strength, push her up against the cage, dirty boxer, then obviously you're going to say Courtney's going to win this. And I think that's why the line is so close because stylistically, you can see this playing out either way. And to be honest with you, I can see it playing out either way. 
because Angela to me has the speed and better footwork, but Courtney's strong. And if you can, a five, six strong woman can grab a hold of a five, three less strong woman, there's going to be a problem. You're talking about there's throws, there's trips, any way that she can put her weight on Angela, should she get her to the ground, she could probably just hold her there. If she just pushes her up against the cage, it's going to take a lot of energy for Angela to get her off of her over and over and over again. And you could see how rounds would be going to Courtney if that was the case. If you're backing Angela, you're going to say she's a little bit too fast. Her boxing's a little bit too good. Courtney's a little bit slower. She's going to be chasing her all night looking to use that strength, but she's never going to be able to grab her. She's never going to be able to get enough of that strength on her to win rounds, wear her down, tire her out. She's just going to be like the zombie chasing the guy running around, right? Just too slow. Feet are too slow. Hands are too slow. Just you're not going to be able to close the distance. And we know in combat sports, distance and timing can be everything. So actually, when I look at this fight, I favor Angela a slight bit to be able to do that. But because Courtney is so strong, I worry about if she is able to get a hold of her even once, how well Angela is going to be able to get out of that and how much energy she's going to use to get out of that. So that can be a problem if you're looking at stylistically, how is this going to go? I think if you're betting this, it may depend on what line you got and when you got it. So Angela's only sitting at minus 125 now, but she opened at minus 175. So had I been capping this, say, on Tuesday, 175 is steep. Because like I said, stylistically, Courtney could give her trouble. On the flip side, Courtney opened at plus 135. Now she's down to 115. So what does that mean? That means people are betting her. That's why Angela lines drop from 175 to minus 125. And Courtney's dropped from plus 135 to plus 115. People believe the style of Courtney is going to cause Angela trouble. Understand where they're coming from. Uh, the over-under, the will-go-won't-go decision, the will-go is minus 485 right now. It opened at 380. So that tells you people said, whoever wins, they're going to win by decision. The fight won't go to the decision, opened at 260, and is now 350. That's self-explanatory because people were betting the opposite way. So obviously this line is better than when it opened. Uh, the draws at plus 6,000. Casey wins by TKO or KO is 1710. That number tells you right there that the books have no confidence that Casey's going to win inside. Well, TKO, KO, but her inside will be high too, and I'll tell you that in a moment. Hill wins by TKO, KO is 1160. Again, they expect a decision in this fight. Casey wins by submission, 650. Hill wins by submission, 2250. Casey wins inside. 550. Remember, inside means as long as it doesn't go to a decision in case he wins. Hill wins inside 9 to 1. Again, the same explanation. But you can see these numbers when I'm telling you 9 to 1, 550. Hill by submission 2250. Casey by submission 650. Hill by TKO KO 1160. Casey TKO 1710. They're telling you. Hey, we think this is going to a decision. Then when you get to the decision numbers, way lower. Casey wins by decision, 176. Hill wins by decision is actually favored at minus 101. So when you look at those, you go, okay, they're expecting a decision. Well, if you're confident in that and you could get the fight goes to a decision at 380, maybe you bet that. Maybe you go, the fight is just too close. I can see either girl winning, but... I believe it's going to a decision. Let me lay the 380 bucks. If it goes to the decision, I win $100. I can totally understand that. The problem is now we're up to like 485. You're hitting 500. That's steep, guys. There's a thing that I'm going to talk to you guys about in uh, next episodes going forward about risk versus reward. You have to be leery 
of taking these really high numbers, whether it's on a, a fighter themselves or even like prop bets. Sometimes in boxing, you have guys three, four, five to one to win inside to knock the guy out. And then or uh, even decisions like this. So we got almost five to one to go to a decision, especially in MMA, man. Anything can happen. They could get hit with an elbow, a head kick. You watch the sport, you know what I'm talking about. So there's a risk versus reward. And that goes to a core principle when you're betting. You have to be very, very careful and very, very sure of yourself when you start playing these higher lines. Because if you're just starting out, and you make a mistake, that can wipe your bankroll. And then as you get further along and you're more established, it still takes a gigantic hit to your bankroll if you screw up and you cap that wrong. Because obviously when you're more experienced and you uh, bet more and you win more and your bankroll is larger, then you bet more. So when you lose, you lose more. So any which way you cut it, you got to be on your P's and Q's when you start messing with very high lines. And these lines are nothing compared to boxing. If you guys follow the sport or bet boxing, some of those lines are absolutely ridiculous. It's one of the reasons, quite honestly, I got into MMA. I used to want nothing to do with the MMA. All I did was bet boxing. But here in Vegas, the lines became rarer and rarer. And they're just putting straight bets with ridiculous lines where you got guys, you got to bet three grand on them. I mean, that's ridiculous. So they're doing that. And it shifted my focus because MMA had more fights. They had more lines. And the lines were a lot better than what I was used to in boxing. But at the same token, the lines have gotten worse and worse and higher and higher as MMA has become more established and the books get a better feel of how to cap it. So I think you believe you saw that with the Mighty Mouse line and his rematch with Cejudo. Things like this, it can go wrong. So the books are putting higher and higher lines. So it's great. Like if you can cap it and you can hit it, but at the same time, you just got to be wary. You got to take that same uh, safe, cautious approach that you did if you're betting boxing that you do in MMA. So even though it may be 500 and you're used to 3,000 in boxing, it's still the same thing. You got to be cautious and make sure that you know what you're doing. So back to this fight. When you look at this fight, like I said, stylistically, you've got to choose which side you like. That's basically all there is to it. You've got to choose which style you think is going to win out. Is Hill going to be able to dance and box and win on the cards? Or is Casey going to be able to grind her and then win on the cards? If Casey does it her way, it could be a closer fight, like even a split decision fight, because that can be ugly. And it doesn't always look pretty when you're just sitting there, quote unquote, humping somebody, cage humping somebody, right? It doesn't look pretty. Ground and pound's a little bit different, but even when you just hump them on the ground, people get bored with that. Now, granted, when you're talking about scoring, it's almost always a 10-9 round. The person on top almost always gets that round. So even though you would be, if you bet on Angela, you'd be like, oh, come on, Courtney didn't do anything. She just laid on her. Geez, she probably threw three punches the entire round. Doesn't matter. In your mind, betting-wise, you got to say, we lost that round. So like I said, there's no biasness when it comes into this. You got to be realistic because otherwise you'll be disappointed. Like Courtney didn't do shit all fight long, but she laid on her. How did she win 30-27, right? The fact of the matter is you still lost and you should have known going in that in modern, traditional American MMA, the person that's on the ground on their back loses a round. That's, that's basically generally how you have to think about it. And it makes watching the fight and it makes capping the fight and it makes future capping much easier. If you understand that that's the way the rules are, if you understand that's the way they judge, cause you need to know that because remember, it's not about what you think. All that matters is that official decision, the official result. So if you're taking a wrestler and you go, oh, this wrestler doesn't do a lot of ground and pound, but he can hold them down. Of course you take him because he's going to win 30-27, just like the striker who knocks the guy around the ring, the cage, for three rounds, but doesn't finish him wins 30-27. So vastly different ways to get to 30-27. Back to the Hill fight. My first instinct is that Hill's going to do it, and she's going to do it probably by decision. I don't necessarily think it's going to be action-packed or pretty, 
because if Hill wins, she's going to be doing it with pity pat shots and staying away. There's no way that she's going to sit there and throw 15 punch combination if she thinks Casey's going to grab her in between and throw her down or push her to the cage. So she's going to have to limit her offense and keep Casey just at the end of it, but not overextend. Because if Casey's just marching after her in her face, Angela's going to know she's trying to get a hold of me. So that's my instinct is that Hill's going to be able to do it by decision. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see a split decision or you hear a lot of controversy online about, oh, well, Courtney pressed the pace and Hill didn't throw enough punch, this type of thing. Again, remember, all that matters is that you cash your ticket. So on that fight, take a look at it. Go with your gut. If you've watched these two ladies, then you know what I'm talking about is accurate. And then if you like the style of Courtney and you're opposite, you believe she's going to get to her, definitely then go with that. Because like I said, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that happens. For sure. I think that's why you see the line so close. This is a time where I think the books probably got it right. Even if Hill was able to do it 30-27 by dancing around, the fact of the matter is Courtney's going to be after her. And on the flip side, even if Courtney did it, the fact of the matter is she would have to hold her there and Andrews is going to be fighting tooth and nail to get out of there and go right back to the footwork and distance. So these two ladies are going to fight the way they normally fight and that makes it a little easier to cap. It's just because it's the style matchup. It's conflicting and they're both good at what they do in that respect so you can both see them having success at the same time. So that's what makes the line close and that what makes it capping uh, more difficult because you go, I know their styles, but they both could be effective at the same time. So that's something to take a little bit closer look. And if you say for a moment you had three fights that you liked on this card to bat and that hill fight was an iffy for you, drop it. There's no, no There's nobody telling you you have to bet that. There's some fight cards I bet one time, one fight. There's some fight cards I bet zero times, 14 fights. I don't bet a single one. Why? I want consistency. I'm not there. I'm not a junkie. I'm not there just for my, you know, action. I very rarely ever do that. Like I said, if I do um, action, you want action, I call it a throwaway bet. A lot of times that happens, it's on an underdog. Or you can do it with a favorite, depending on what their props are. Uh, I'll get into that more when I do the uh, sports betting um, uh, episode just specific to betting. But there are ways that you can get quote-unquote action. But I don't get action just to get action. Like if I bet even in a throwaway bet, meaning it's not a large portion, it's just basically play money. If I do that, I still can make a case in my mind for that person winning that way. Or if he's an underdog make a case for that underdog to win. It's not like I just like flushing money down the toilet. So if I see a guy that's fighting a prime Roy Jones and he's 2000, right? Bet a hundred to win 2000. If I don't think he has any chance to win, I don't bet it. I don't bet it to go, oh wow, what could I do with this money if he went? No, that's a waste of money. Go buy your family dinner or do something with it. That's a better use of it. Now, if I thought the dude could actually win, I have no problem betting it. But that's where honesty comes in. You have to be honest with yourself, and you're not just chasing huge lines. Because the books make a killing from people that do that. Just chasing huge lines that are looking for that what if, what if. We don't play what ifs. You cap it, honestly. You cap it as accurate as you can. And then that will determine which way you go. And like I said, never force yourself to have action ever. Don't do it. Don't worry about it. Consistency will win out the day and you will get more than enough bets in. So if you're just starting out and I know you're itching to get in there, if the first card you're looking at doesn't have anything that you like, don't worry about it. Patience, young one. Patience. You'll get there. There'll be plenty of cards that you can bet on boxing and MMA. And if you are dabbling in it and you're having some success and you're finding things and you're finding your way, and then the next card you're like forcing yourself, you know what I'm talking about. If you're forcing yourself, you're looking at that card and you're like forcing, no, don't do it. 
When you look at a card, especially when you get a little more experience, these things should stand out to you. When you look at 14 fighters, a handful should stand out to you that you need to research more and look at if there's a betting opportunity. And out of that handful, maybe there's only one. Maybe it's all five. But if you stick to that formula and you do it honestly and you do it as accurately as possible, you will have enough fights to bet on. And if your consistency is there, you can make a living. Trust me, I do it. Now, not everybody wants to do it that way. If you want to be a hobbyist, that's fine. You can make extra pocket money. You can make enough money to buy a car. You can. You can make enough money to put a deposit down on a home. There's many things you can do. It's like anything in life. It takes hard work and dedication. The difference is we're risking money right here. Like when people go work a nine to five job, they don't lose money, right? So we could cap this card. It could take you two days, three days, whatever the case is. You could narrow it down to two fights. You could put a a grand on each fight or 500 here or 1,000 there or 2,000 here and lose. That's what makes what we do so hard is that we can actually lose money. And this goes back into another thing I will talk about in the future episodes is how you do your tallies. A lot of people do daily tallies or weekly tallies or whatever. But really, honestly speaking, the only thing matters is at the end of the year. If you started with 5000 and you finished with 15000 good job. Pat yourself on the back. If you started with 5000 and you're broke, well, I guess you need more work to do, right? So that's something we'll talk about in a future episode. And finally, the main event. James Vick and Justin Gaethy. Now, I'm not talking about the main event just because it's the main event. That's another thing. I don't bet the main event just to bet the main event. This main event card is treated just like all the other fight the fighters on the card. The only difference being five-round fights. So generally speaking, like if you like totals, the, the main event is good because obviously you're getting two more rounds. That generally works if you like the under because you're like, wow, two more rounds to finish. And sometimes, honestly, the under in these fights are not that bad for five rounds compared to some of the three-round fights. Again, another discussion for a different time. But the James Vick-Justin Gaethy fight. Justin, he was on a tear, right? Mm, what happened? 18-2, and two, back-to-back losses. 15 wins by KO. Both of his losses inside. Uh-oh. But wait a minute. Vic, 13-1. Looks nice, right? Only three KOs. Five subs, five decisions. Hey, his one loss was by KO, TKO. What are we looking at? Well, obviously, Vic has a glossy record, but like I told you before, don't mean shit, right? Got to look at styles. Got to look at matchup. Got to look at how they're progressing. Are they uh, are they on the tail end of their career? What's going on? Vic is only 31. Justin's 29, but in fighting years, he's way older, man, because his style, if you know what I'm talking about, his style is in your face, eating punches, giving punches. That takes its toll. I don't care who you are. I've said it many, many times. You cannot sustain it. It's unsustainable. Maybe he gets to 23 fights. Maybe he gets to 19 wins. Whatever the case is, it's unsustainable. If you don't change it, you will end your career just being knocked out like Liddell style, right? Like getting touched on the chin nighty-night. That will happen. Your body can only take so much peer punishment. And that's not talking the weight cuts that these guys screw up non-stop. They just balloon up to ridiculous numbers when they're not fighting and then damaging their internal organs to make weight. It's just ridiculous that people not only teach this crap to these fighters, but that these commissions allow it to continue to happen. One of my big gripes about the UFC, the WBC in boxing has mandatory 30-day weigh-ins for these championship fights, and they have to be with X amount of percentage of their weight. Come on, guys. There's solutions out there. Again, a different subject for a different episode. So looking at this fight, Vic, he's won his last one, two, three, four fights. 
His only loss was to uh, Darush. So I mean, what can you what can you see about that? Well, you got to basically look at how he's winning. So he's won by sub. He's won two inside with punches, and he's won a decision. So I mean, there's a nice variety there. Well, let's just look at the last two for Justin because everything previous to that could mean absolutely nothing if this guy's on the slide, right? If the amount of punishment he has taken has diminished his ability to fight his style inside the cage, well, he's no longer Justin Gaethy, right? He's somebody different because he's not able to walk through the amount of punishment that he was previously to get the job done. So that's what I'm talking about. Records don't mean anything. You have to cap these fighters as they are today, as they are when you are going to bet them or bet against them, because a lot can change. Look what changed to him. He was undefeated, and then boom, two knockout losses, and they were brutal knockout losses. Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. Now, damn, I thought he was going to stop Dustin there for a minute with those leg kicks, but what happened? Dustin fought through it, boom. And Justin said something very important to me about those two fights. He said Eddie and Dustin went through hell, persevered, and then did what they had to do. His mindset is Vic doesn't have it in him. He doesn't believe James Vic can go through what Dustin and Eddie did. Now, that's an important point. Because I understand exactly where he's coming from. Because James's style is totally different. Even Dustin, who can box and counter, fights way different than James. Because James, in Justin's opinion, is a point fighter. He doesn't want to engage. Nobody would say that about Dustin, right? So James's style is hit, don't get hit. Where these other guys, specifically Dustin has that grit. If I need to come get you, I'll get you. If I got to walk through fire, I will get you, right? Does James have that? That's not what his fighting style suggests. And I understand where Justin is coming from when he says that. James, on the other hand, says this guy's a punching bag. He infamously called him uh, Homer Simpson from that episode where Homer was a boxer and he just gets hit in the face, hit in the face, hit in the face until his opponent falls down from exhaustion. So that's what he thinks is Justin, right? No defense. You're just a punching bag. I'm just going to go out there and be able to hit you at will. Like it's not even a contest. That's what James figures because he believes he's the better boxer who gets hit less. Again, you can make a case for both. I think the lack of punching power from Vic is going to play the role in this fight. Point blank. I believe that what Vic says is true. Justin does get hit too much. I believe Vic has the better overall movement and higher IQ. But Justin is a tough, old, dirty, junkyard dog. And he is going to be right on top of Vic. He is going to force Vic to knock him out. Like he is going to say, you're not going to point fight me. Like, if you're going to win, if you're going to beat me and join Eddie and Dustin, then you're going to need to knock me out like Eddie and Dustin. Now, in this fight, I think that's a great strategy. But wait a minute. I was just criticizing him for that. I was just criticizing him for the way he fights. Different opponent. I don't believe Vic has that one-punch knockout power that can turn Justin's lights out unless Justin has severely been diminished. Now, off of his last two fights, you might be able to make a case that that is the case. And Vic's light hitting punches could lay him out. I can't say I would be shocked, but he did go three and four rounds with Dustin and Eddie. So it's not like he just got touched and went out. So I believe there's enough of the chin there still that he's going to be able to walk Vic down, take the shots that Vic throws, And then try to test that mental and physical toughness of Vic, which he doesn't believe is there. And let me tell you this. If that mental and physical toughness isn't there, you're going to lose to Justin. I think we can all pretty much agree to that. Right? No matter your skills, no matter if you let this guy get on top of you and hit you, there is going to be a time where you got to fight back. You got to fight through the pain. You've got to fight through the adversity. And that's what he questions. And I don't necessarily question James's heart, 
But what I'm questioning is that peer punching power. How do you keep him off? If Justin is any percentage of what he was in the Dustin and Eddie fights, I think he's going to be able to get to James. I think James is going to be hitting him like those guys hit him, but we're not going to see the same results. We're not going to see the same effect from Vic's punches as we did Eddie Alvarez's punches, as we did Dustin's punches. I don't believe it. He hasn't shown that. So looking at the odds in this fight, you got two choices, Vic and Gaethy. Well, Vic opened up at minus 115, and he's currently sitting at minus 135. So obviously the public likes him a little. Won't say a lot, they like him a little. Justin opened at minus 115 and went to plus 125. So basically this was a pick and fight according to the books. And then people were looking at those last two losses. I understand what people are doing and how they're capping this fight. I get it totally. I just think it's wrong. I really believe that they're looking at the last two losses and saying this guy's on the downhill. He's on the slide. He's going to get touched and go to sleep. But I don't believe Vic has that power. And I don't believe that they're looking at Justin's performances in those losses. They're just looking at the result. He actually performed well in those losses up until getting blasted out, if that makes sense. The fight goes to a decision is currently plus 320. And the fight doesn't go to a decision as minus 425. That speaks volumes to me about what I just told you. You can see Justin knocking him out, so of course, right? An under. But at the same point, they're saying that Vic has an opportunity to knock him out. And the only way you can come to this conclusion is based off Justin not being all that he was. There's nothing in Vic's history that says he's that kind of puncher. Now, maybe on the ground to get submitted, but what's he going to do? Take Justin down? I think it's a striking match. I really do. So if you're looking at the book's line and the public money... Then you're going, oh, this fight is going under. Well, that's been a lot of money on this under. It opened at minus 230. The book saw uh, the probability it goes under, but the public went crazy. And that goes right back to them saying that uh, Justin's chin is going. Because if you look at the straight bets and the way the line is moved, why all the money on the under? How come all the money didn't come on Vic? Why isn't Vic minus 250 then? Well, there's a reason. That's because they're saying, well, Justin could win, obviously, because he's the power puncher. But they think so little of Justin's chin at this point that they're willing to bet the under that either guy could be finished. Which, to me, I I don't see it, honestly. Like, if, if I'm taking Vic, I'm taking him points. And then we got the draw, 8,500. Uh, Vic wins by TKO KO, 255. Way low, in my opinion. Uh, that's just way low. It opened at 220, I like I said. But I'm of the belief that he doesn't have the power to put Justin out. I could be proven totally wrong. He could hit him, Justin crumbles. And if that happens, that tells you all you need to know about Justin's career. It's it's done. He can't. He would never be able to fight that same style if he's one punch knocked out from Vic. So keep that in mind if that happens. Gaethy by TKO KO plus 175. That is low. Uh, I think that's about right. Like, because if I had to guess, I would say he's the one that wins that way. Vic by submission is plus 325. Um, yeah, if anybody gets submitted, it will be Vic submitting Justin. Uh, Gaethy by submission, 2400. That's not even a possibility. Don't even entertain that. Gaethy wins inside. Again, that's any which way. Plus 169. That's right in line with the KOTKO. A little bit worse because obviously you're getting any which way. Vic wins inside. Plus 110. Insanity to me. Total insanity. And it goes back to exactly what I said. That they believe Justin's chin is shot. I mean, if that's the case, you may as well just take... The Vic line, straight. Vic wins inside at plus 110. I mean, Vic right now, uh, straight bets, 135. That gives you all five rounds should he not be able to knock him out. If you're so confident that Vic's going to win that you would lay 110 on inside, 
just take that little bit of worst line there at 135 and take him straight because nothing on his record suggests that he's going to blast Justin out. It's more likely he's going to win by decision. So that's a case where I think the quote-unquote worst line is a better line than people who are taking Vic inside. So let me speak to all the Vic people out there. If you like James Vic, and even if you think he's going to stop him, do not play Vic inside at plus 110. That's ridiculous with a straight line at minus 135. Cover your ass in case you're wrong, but Vic is able to outpoint him. The line is not that much worse that you should go for the cheap money on the Vic wins inside. Now, if this was opposite, Justin, I'm telling you to take Justin inside. I'm not going to tell you to take Justin straight because I don't believe he has the style to win a decision. I believe if he's on Vic that much that he's having enough success to win a decision, he would have knocked him out. So this is what I'm talking about with styles, and this is what I'm talking about with odds. It gets a little more complicated. I know it may sound crazy right now if you're not into betting, but bear with me. Stick with me, subscribe with me, and I will walk you through this over and over again until you guys understand it. You guys will become pros as far as being able to look at a fight and look at the odds and understand because everybody has a different opinion on who wins. That's not what I'm here for. I'm just telling you my opinion. What I'm here for is to tell you my opinion on what I think is going to happen, but also explain to you the nuances of betting. So when you decide which sides you like, you can get the best lines and make the best decisions. There are many people out there who are going to bet Vic inside. And then if he wins inside, go, oh, yeah, see, I got the plus 110. But they're not realizing the number difference in a five-round fight with Vic having a three knockouts in his fights, right? Minus 135, plus 110. On paper, that line should be outrageous for him to drop and knock out Justin. The only reason it's not is because people are looking at the results of the last two fights with Justin. They're not looking at the fighters. They're not looking at the fight. They're not looking at how it played out. They're only looking at the results. Now, the books are smart, man. The people that cap these lines are smart. But you always have to wonder what angle they're at because they're different than me and you. They want two-way action, right? Because they want to cover their butts no matter who wins. So could this easily be a ploy of saying, we're going to take this Vic money in. Everybody's looking at Justin as he's just shot garbage now. Anybody can knock him out. Listen, if you have Vic at plus 110 inside, then you're telling me that anybody can knock Justin out. Now, granted, inside covers submission too, but then you're saying, well, he's just going to take him down and submit him. So if this is such a whitewash that Vic can win any which way he wants, then just bet them straight. And if that was the case, if everybody thought that that line would be higher, it wouldn't be minus 135. I hope I'm making sense there. If you're experienced better, you know what I'm talking about. Hopefully I'm explaining it where people who are a little bit new to the game, a little green to the game, understand it. But if you don't, don't worry about it. Because I'm here long term. Like I said, I've been here just with Fight Junkie alone for like 13 years. That doesn't include all the other stuff I posted under my moniker, Box Sale. For all you hardcore guys out there, you remember me. I'm Box Sale. So I've been around my entire adult life doing this thing. So don't worry about me going anywhere unless I have a heart attack and die. I'm going to be here. So if you don't understand it now, don't worry about it. That's a learning curve. I didn't understand this shit the moment I woke up and decided to start betting. I told you I went from boxing, then MMA came around, and I had to learn that from the ground up. It takes time. But you guys have something we didn't back in those days. You have mentors. You have people with experience. You have people that are able to explain things to you and talk with you and communicate with you and 24-7 social media and you can watch all the videos and you can listen to the podcast. It's an amazing time to use technology. So what I'm asking you to do is bear with me, stick with me, use this technology to make you some money. If it's pocket money, if it's car money, if it's house money, if it's YouTube vlogging, millionaire lifestyle money, whatever it is that you want to do, it's possible. So back to this. 
Um, I believe, where would we end? We ended Vic wins inside plus 110. We got Gaethy wins by decision, 725. Again, I agree with that line. I think it's um, improbable that he wins on points. Vic decision, 560. I believe that's a little high because I actually think he, uh, he would have a better chance of beating Justin on points than he would inside. So what do I recommend? Well, personally, I think Gaethy. Well, I think Justin Gaethy's going to win. I think he's going to win inside. So then you're just looking at the lines here. Which way does he win? How does he win? We already picked which way he wins. So you got to look at, do you believe he's going to win inside or do you want the little bit better number at KOTKO? I think this is a case where you just take the KOTKO. It's uh, plus 175. I believe it opened at plus 174. It went as high as like 180-ish. So you're still right in line the day before the fight to get a good, nice line on him if you think that he can win inside. If you do have the inside the distance option and you want to take that, it's like plus 169, plus 170. Again, that's not too far off. I see no problem. You could take that. I don't think any submission or anything like that is probable. It's probably not going to happen. So if you want a little bit of extra coin, just go ahead and take the uh, KOTKO option. I think if he wins, that's the way he wins. So that pretty much does it for this episode of Fight Junkie. I will suck it to you tomorrow, baby. Fight Junkie out.